Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, Pixar animation. Why are some cartoons filled with more emotional color than real life? Pixar's chief creative officer, Pete Doctor, writer, director, animator, and the force behind Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., up and the newest Pixar film, Soul, is here to talk about the power of a pencil. It's mightier than a CGI sword. Plus, Iceland. It's known for volcanoes and lava fields. But amidst the ash, we must have some listeners there. We just must. We just can't figure out how many. Tony Nita Hull and Bonnie Burns have teamed up on a group report, God help us, which explores the beauties of this island country. Come on, Reykjavik. Get off your geysers and listen to our show. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversation moving smoothly from topical storyboards through renderings of subject matter and culminating in an animated coherency. And now, please welcome the woman whose conversational pencil is always coloring outside those lines. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat with you again on another week. Hi, Adam. And thanks to tonight's house band. Sounds fantastic. We have nobody and violinist Kathleen Strom. Thanks, Fantastic. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you. We've had a bumper crop of those violinists. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A bumper crop. A bumper crop of violinists. Yeah. Like two in the last six weeks. Oh damn it! I was gonna make a Harry Potter reference, and I can't remember what were the names of the what were the names of the plants that they would harvest. At, at, well, they would repot. They were repotting them, and they would scream. Oh, those, those, those shrieking, those shrieking yeah. trolley things. Yeah. Oh, no idea. I, uh, yeah, I can't remember. Um, yeah, well, they'd pull them out of the pot, and they'd go like, ee, ee, ee. that was that's how we've gotten our violinists. Uh, we've right. harvested them, and they come out. Ee, ee. <laughs> Adam. Well, yes. Mandrakes. I, what, what? Oh, mandrakes, of course. <laughs> Thanks for Googling, love, Tony. Yeah, Tony. You know, I have a rule that we don't Google while we 
are busy. Um, but apparently Tony isn't really invested in the uh, in this evening's ordeal. Um, Adam, I uh, I have a confession to make, which is this. Uh-huh. I didn't used to do very much grocery shopping for many years um, I, I, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is as busy. Uh, no, not the least of which is that I, I was on the road for half a week. And okay. so, you know, I couldn't really buy produce because it would just go bad. Um, and I mostly ate out. And so I, I grocery shop now. And, um, but I don't really know what anything costs. Um, huh. like, I don't well, know. They're, they're I, for, marked. Sometimes, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I can never find it. I'm always looking at one thing and it's the price for something else. But anyways, my, my point is this. So I, I go grocery shopping the other day thinking that I was just doing like a quick little shop, you know, for mostly for produce. Uh-huh. And um, I get to the cashier, and I do have more stuff in the cart than I had anticipated. But still, it wasn't one of my bigger grocery shops. Um, so I get to the cashier, and she rings everything up, and she says it was like $200. And I'm like, uh, how did that happen? And the cashier <laughs> takes a look at the, um, you know, at the charges, and she goes, well, this Advil... She picks up a bottle of Advil. She goes, this is $25. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Thank you for doing uh, Then put it back, please. Thank you. I don't want $25. I, no. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, and I've been having headaches. So I leave the <laughs> grocery store and I go home and I'm putting everything away. And I realize I have a, I have a, a container of double stuff Oreos, a container of Fig Newtons, at least 12 bags of chips. And by the way, one of them was party size. And uh, <laughs> and I have been getting a lot of headaches. And the following day, I had a terrible headache. And so I took two chips. And uh, I feel fine now. You feel fine now. I feel fine now, as it turns out. It, yeah. I mean, at first I thought, when I got home and I saw those chips, I thought, oh, my God, where are my priorities? Like, what's the matter with me? But right. when, I took, when I took two chips and felt better, I realized I didn't need that, Evel. I was right. Just. <laughs> I've kind of been in a big Frito mood lately. In fact, uh, do you favor the flavored Fritos or just the plain, oh. natural Fritos? Oh, no, the regular. Yeah. I just the, the regular. Orig- the original. I don't. I, I'll tell you something. Not only do not do I not approve of the other flavors, um, but I <laughs> yes. won't. I won't talk to people who do. That's how. Uh, oh. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm probably not going to be on the forefront of healing the country. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> extraordinarily divisive. <laughs> yeah, I judge. I really judge harshly. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that's. I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave my opinion of uh, flavored Fritos uh, mute right here. I'm just going to yeah, mute it. Yeah, that's probably best. That's probably yeah. best. Uh, yeah, in fact, at one point, we couldn't chili find. Chili cheese ones. We couldn't find. Hey, 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 hey. At one point, we what? couldn't find the. Uh, I don't want to hear about the chili cheese ones. At one How about point, honey barbecue? No. Oh, Jesus. That's With awful. the flavored twists? Okay. 
I didn't even know they had all those kinds. See, I wouldn't go to a store that had all those kinds. You're going to just the Frito store. You're really going to a specific store to get all that. Uh, well, I go to Frito and things. <laughs> and, and the things are like a little dish to put the Fritos in. By the way, I don't yeah, believe well, in dishes. I used to go to Doritos, Fritos, and Beyond, but that place got too expensive. Yeah. Plus the yeah. Beyond. I was at uh, the speak- Bed Bath & Beyond the other day. And again, I spent much more money. Because you know what I'm doing? I'm stocking my cabinets with microbial cleaning cloths. I'm just so into them now. <laughs> because they don't... Microbial cleaning cloths? Yeah, because they don't... like. I've, for years, I've been using what's called a bar mop. It's not a mop at all. It's just... Uh, it's just sort of... It's just, Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I forgot to turn my phone off. Hold on, let me just see who it is. Oh, Hold on. Hello? You're getting the phone? <laughs> yeah. Hello? Is it is, is this happening? <laughs> I'm the one who gets it's, phone calls on this show. Adam, and I don't even it's th- an exclusive yes? announcement from Marriott Hotels, and my phone number has been pre-selected. I, it's, <laughs> Paula? I have to go, Adam. I have to go. My phone you, number has Paula, been pre-selected. Paula, you don't. You no, know, it has. Adam. It's just a bit. Yeah. I I can't get any more hotel soap during the pandemic. I need to talk to these people. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, um, we'll just uh, take a quick break, and as soon as you're ready, call back and we'll continue the show. Okay? Nah, I turned it off. Damn okay. It. Well, <laughs> you probably made the right choice, all things considered. There, Paula. Um, yeah, I think I did. All right. Well, uh, speaking of going beyond, uh, it's time for us to go to beyond the four walls of our two respective rooms, Paula. Let's do it. Reach out. Let, let's reach out, go around the horn, and meet the people who make Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone possible. The little people, if you will. And and to be frank, they're both shorter than us. Uh, let's start <laughs> way up Paula there. In, 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 <laughs> <laughs> let's start way up there in the Simi Valley uh, near, a, near a horse ranch where and a lot of unhappy Halloween kids where Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle, our producer, your manager, lurks waiting to, to bestow some great bone motes upon us. Hi, Bonnie. What's up? Hi, Adam. Hi, Paula. When, Wait, when Adam is goes... That, is that Bonnie or is that Amy Klobuchar? It's hi, very Adam, hard to hi, tell. Hi, Paula. I'm so happy to hear from you. I love America, and I've worked so hard to become who I am. I'm happy to be a senator. Wow, that impression is so dead on. It's really... (laughs) Yeah, it is. The political satire that comes with it is is sharper every week. So what's new, Bonnie? (laughs) Well, okay, I'm torn about what I want to say. Paula, when you said you got the aspirin... If if only you'd had literally an entire week to think that through. (laughs) Oh, wait, you did. Yeah, As you do every week. I just started thinking, like... A couple hours ago. But Paula, when you said, I wasn't thinking about this. When you said that you <laughs> were buying the aspirin, what store were you at? I thought, is she at Whole Foods? And she bought aspirin at Whole Foods? No, no you wouldn't I do don't that. shop at Whole Foods. No, Whole Foods, Whole Foods is way too. Bonnie, could you of all people have forgotten that I have no income? I, no, I, um, I know you have no income. And, and keep in mind, you're getting 15% of my no income. So <laughs> if I was going to Whole Foods, you should be upset. No, uh, no, I, I can't go to Whole Foods. No, that's why I was sitting here listening to the story and going, 
she couldn't be shopping at Whole Foods and then doing that really stupid thing where she'd buy aspirin that you could get at a drugstore at Whole Foods. Yeah, and also it was Advil, Bunny. Um, okay. No, I've been shopping at Half Foods. (laughs) 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 So, Bunny, I... I passed you the ball and you ducked at this point. No, no, What's no. up? Okay, wait, wait, wait. So that was going to remind me of saying that I shop at Walmart online and, you know, like you buy a cereal that I'll see a price like $3.99 that I pay $5.99 in the grocery store and I think, oh my God, that's a really good price so I'll get like two boxes. And then what comes is like such a giant box that I can't even fit it on the shelf. That's what I thought I'd say when I heard Paula talk. But I actually have... You had a weak body. <laughs> I know, that is weak. So we'll just go to this, which is, this is what I wanted are to you tell buying you. It, are you buying cereal at a store for regular people? Or, or are, you at the, um, are you at the big and tall woman's shop? No. That's the problem. You have to shop at a store that's for people your size. Okay, so that, I, sh- I, I think Paula's got a point there. But, Bonnie, now that you've spent five minutes of our lifetimes walking us no, through what you're not going to I say. I have to, yes. I have to get to what I was going to say, which is. <laughs> all right. So, wait a minute. Let show me get this straight. on the air every Tuesday, as we all know. And so, what happens is in the morning, I get up and I check Facebook because I want to see how the nobody's reacted. So, there were a couple of entries of people who mentioned. Remember when I did the knock-knock joke and then I couldn't remember what it really was? And I said, like, we used to say orange and then, you know, Paula criticized me and said, what camp did you go to? So one person said, knock-knock. Now you guys can go, Uh who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Bonnie Burns. Bonnie Bonnie Burns who? Bonnie Burns, anybody who picks on her. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. How old are you again? Someone else wrote that for you? That's what it nobody So you outsourced put. a knock-knock joke? No. That's, that's your thing? <laughs> he volunteered it. Okay, then remember that I said- That came from China, we... by the way. That <laughs> knock-knock joke came from China. Written by, another... by kids in sweatshops, Bonnie. Shame on you. <laughs> that's right. And we have- to pay tariffs on our jokes as a result of you. I don't even know what a tariff is, by the way, but I think we shouldn't have it. Um, we, no. uh Yeah, we're, uh, we're having to pay tariffs on our jokes because you're buying jokes from China. China. Okay, so then another person, <laughs> these were all entries in a row, okay? So then another okay. person, remember I couldn't say what it was. I thought there was something with orange. Okay, so here it is. I'll say knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Banana. Banana who? This Banana is the who? joke. Yeah, I told okay, you this then the I other go, day. Wait, then I go yeah. knock, knock. Yes, right. and we say there. who's, who's there? there? I say banana. Banana and who? And we say banana yes. who? Okay, We told knock, you this knock. the other day. Paula did, ex- wait, in fact, explain I have one that more. joke. One okay. more. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Orange. <laughs> Orange, orange, orange who? who? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? <laughs> That's what I'm you know, That's, yeah, I was precisely really what Paula was explaining. I told you the other day that that was it the was? joke. <laughs> yeah, yes. she did do yes. that. 
I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Paula, okay. I think from now on, if you want to get a message to Bonnie Burns, you better make a comment on our Facebook page. It's the okay. only way. <laughs> okay, so wait. Here's the All last she listens part to. that makes okay. this really embarrassing, okay? So I'm on the Facebook page. Oh, no, I think page. that last part was embarrassing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bonnie, you ought to be at adequate levels of embarrassment at this point. This point's even First worse. of all, you heard the orange knock-knock, the orange banana <laughs> knock-knock joke for the first time in your life. And it's been around, you know, since before we were born. And second yeah. of all, you you told it and you laughed uproariously over it. It... it, it, it <laughs> Even Look, as a you kid, I didn't think it was funny. Yeah, no, so I, think I said I knew be- it was. Believe it, believe it or not, that joke predates the door. <laughs> I said that was funny. I, that was really funny. Okay, I said it was something orange. I couldn't remember what it was. I did say that. I went. Wow. Why did we say orange something? Okay, so here's the yeah. most embarrassing part. So I'm on Facebook. Can I just and I'm ask you one question? The- can I? Can I just ask <laughs> you a question before you begin? You know how yeah. a lot of my dates. You know how a lot of my dates have been postponed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you haven't done any kind of negotiation on any of them, have you? About the pay or anything in the last uh, months? Yeah, I have. Every one of them. Because. <laughs> Are you feeling secure? Not it really. It sounds That's like you're a little preoccupied. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, okay, when well, you first when you first get the person on the phone and you're ready to go in to talk money, do you go, wait, hold on, say knock, knock. Have you done that? Because. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels like she does. Yeah, that's giving um, him the upper hand, I think. So good. Okay. Yeah. All right, Bonnie. Okay, wait, go ahead. Here's Sorry. The Bring us home, Bonnie, for God's sake. Okay, here's sakes. the most embarrassing part. Okay, so I go on Facebook to see what the nobody say about the show, and I'm scanning down, and, you know, the first one about Bonnie Burns, then the next one about the banana who, and then Thomas Dean says, aren't you glad I didn't say I'm sorry? And I go back, oh, yeah, that's it. I forgot. He, I can't, he actually I can't hear words. a word you're saying. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't get any of that, Bonnie. No. What? It's like talking to my girls when they were little. <laughs> You know what? If you want mommy to understand what you're saying, you're going to need to have to speak up, I think. All right. I'll try and yeah. not laugh while I'm saying it. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. So no. these yeah. people are saying different knock-knock do- jokes, and then Thomas Dean says, aren't you glad I didn't say I'm sorry? I was so busy scanning and kind of half paying attention that I didn't realize what he did was say the thing I said on the show. Oh. What did you say on the show? I said, aren't you glad I didn't say I'm sorry? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go and and say that this is a story that you could have just as easily not told. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't get it? Not really. Um, I I get it, uh, but I'm also looking at it. Well, somebody uh, I, does. Because I went to find out for myself. Tony, Tony do you want to translate? You went on Tony. Facebook while we're talking? <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Aren't you glad I don't look at Facebook? Um, <laughs> I guess oh, I'm, my God. I, I guess I, I'm just, done. 
I, I, no, I, I would you, say you, so. I, no, no, I don't no, think we, we, so. We, we... <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what we should do right now? We should have a contest where listeners take the first letter of everything that Bonnie said that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> And see if they can decode it. Yeah, just just write the first letter of everything Bonnie said that made sense. <laughs> Those who answer absolutely nothing win. <laughs> and if I may, if I may, uh, if I may do a travel log right now. And now, as the sun sets, we leave this. Simi Valley behind, wondering why we ever visited there in the first place. And we head <laughs> bye straight bye. on down to, <laughs> bye to, bye. To, 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 bye to Studio City, where Tony Anita Hull, uh, also known as the Bonnie Whisperer, has some explaining to do. <laughs> What's going on, Tony? I'm good. This is my last, the last show in my apartment. Oh. You found oh. a new place. I'm moving. No, there's yeah. a couch in my alley, and she's going to spend a lot of time there. <laughs> <laughs> you did, The way you said it's my last show in the apartment, it didn't sound like you were moving. It sounded like you were just, you, you had just had it with that apartment. Um, well, I'm so yeah. excited for you. So, Tony, it's a, it's a one-bedroom apartment as opposed to a it's studio? A- it's a yep. It's a one bedroom. I'm very excited to have a bedroom. Hardwood floors, a fireplace, central air, wow. a walk-in closet, wow. a balcony, a new. Oh stove. my gosh! A I'm balcony. Very excited. A balcony. Are you still going to be in Studio City, or are you moving town? I'm moving one mile, so I will wow. still be in Sherman Oaks, technically. So, Sherman Oaks. Um, okay. So people can just drive around Sherman Oaks and and look for you standing out on your balcony. Is that right? <laughs> I would prefer they not do that, but <laughs> if they're up for it, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see you on your balcony. Don't don't you need a hole? I'm so happy for you. That's a wonderful thing, my dear. That you're moving to a new apartment and you'll have some space. And frankly, I, I would much rather stay with you than here with Paula Poundstone, who's just a barbarian. You know, Mrs. Culpepper, <laughs> you've been stuck with Paula throughout this whole pandemic, right? Oh, don't remind me. It has been god awful. Uh, she just, uh, she's got cats everywhere and she has no manners uh, and she has allergies. She sneezes and coughs. And I, I just, I would prefer to, and, uh, thank you, Tony, for getting a one bedroom. Uh, um, how big a bed can I have? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hope that you do get to to, to take a little uh, uh, trip, Ms. Ms. Culpepper, because I know that you've, uh, for quite a while now, been trying to hold Paula Poundstone at arm's length. Oh, uh, she, uh, uh, well, I, no one, I, I try to stay, keep my distance from her because I'm never sure if she has the COVID because she's always uh, congested and always coughing uh, and she seems tired a lot and I, I just never well, know. I, I, I keep telling her to, to, to just kind of, especially around you because, you know, uh, you're, you're a woman who lost your husband to the coronavirus. Oh, no, that's incorrect. Uh, 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 Captain Culpepper did pass away, but it was not the coronavirus. Oh, it wasn't? My mistake. 
I, I apologize. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was the coronavirus. No, no, it was not. It was, uh, it was, uh, now that you bring it up, it was taro, tro, it was triotoxism. That's what it was, triotoxism. Triotoxism, the oft mispronounced triotoxism. That's, that's contamination and poisoning from dairy products or cheese. Yeah, that's correct, Adam Felber. It's a poisoning from a dairy product or a cheese. Yeah. Well, it was the Gouda that got him. Uh, <laughs> uh. I'll tell you, though, uh, you know, I, I, I did deeply love Captain Culpepper. Um, I, 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 he, was, uh, he was a good man, uh, but I, I must say that uh, he was a bit stifling in some ways. Uh, my light was not able to, my light was under a bushel when I was with Captain Culpepper, and I've been able to uh, spread my wings a, a, a bit in his absence. You know, I do have to say, Mrs. Culpepper, you seem to be saying that with increasing regularity the more time that goes by, as though you're slowly waking up to the fact that you, your relationship with the captain might have limited you in some several ways. I believe it did limit me in uh, many, many ways, actually, now that you uh, mention it, Adam. Uh, he would uh, never let me sing professionally, for example. Sing professionally? <laughs> <laughs> And are you doing that now? Things will be good in America. Things will be good in America. <laughs> okay. And, and who doesn't love West Side Story uh, sung by an anti-Southern <laughs> Bell? Uh, Ms. Culpepper, thanks so much. Can, can you put Paula back on the line? Uh, she's busy right now. You what? can come stay with me anytime you want, Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, you are a dear, Tony Anita Hull. Thank you so much. Paula Perlstone, did you hear that? I don't have to stay here a minute longer. When are you moving, Tony? <laughs> uh, I'm moving Friday. Mm, uh, uh, well, you can expect me late in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Whew. On that note, Paula, do you have a word? <laughs> Of course I have a word, Adam. Uh, uh, I have to remember. Um, here it is. Here it is. Here's the word, Adam. Simulacrum. Simulacrum. Oh, Sim good. Uh, wait. Simulacrum. It's a noun. The first meaning is an image or representation of someone or something. The second meaning is an unsatisfactory copy or substitute. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Donald Trump is a simulacrum of a president. By the way, I am using the second meaning here. Uh, I, 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 I wish that I had... Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, oh Jesus. I hurt my back. You, Did I tell you, you getting that? getting out your concert glockenspiel? I'm, I was reaching for my glockenspiel, but I have, a, I have a, a hurt back, and this is a huge... Glockenspiel. I got a new one. It's a really big one. It's hard to hard to lift. Uh, I'm gonna probably store it at Tony's new apartment because I don't have space here. Um, okay. I wish I had a song to put this word in so I could remember it. Hey, hey, I do. Uh. <laughs> that, that new this, one doesn't sound much different than the old Glockenspiel. Oh, it's giant. One. It's giant. It's beautiful. 
Uh, This week's word is simulacrum. It's a noun. Its second meaning is unsatisfactory copy or substitute. (laughs) I want a cookie, not a fruit. Last week's word was rapacity. It's a noun that means aggressive greed. The filthy rich are still in need. The week before that, we had putative. It's an adjective that means generally considered as or believed to be. The national anthem was written by Francis Scott Key. Going back before that, the word was asseveration. It's a noun that means a solemn or emphatic statement or declaration. If we're too stupid to wear masks, we're all done. And not long ago, we had purulent. It's an adjective that means consisting of, containing, or... Or discharging pus. I hope that never happens to us. Let's never forget Gollumoffrey. Gollumoffrey, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. 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 But I do. I do. I do. I do. All right! Wow, Paul, that was a. Um, I want to take a second here, though, um, because I believe yeah. you 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 snuck a new canard into your vocabulary song this week, didn't you? Um, you said that um, Francis Scott Key is, was a putative author of the national anthem. Well, he didn't write the music, right? But you, you're not questioning that he wrote the lyrics. No. Okay. But everyone just assumes he wrote the whole thing. He didn't. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it was a British pub song. Okay. You know what? Fair enough. I withdraw it, and I apologize to the uh, surviving descendants of Francis Scott Key for me bringing it up. Coming up, Walt Disney said... They're explain- Well, you Do you know the keys, Mrs. Culpepper? Of course I know the keys. They're a good family. Uh, uh, you know, the core peppers are very well connected, Adam. They always have been. Uh, too, <laughs> too bad Too bad. some of them got caught in um, unsatisfying marriages. Anyway, coming up, Walt Disney said, Animation can explain whatever the mind of man can conceive. We'll find out what a genius of animation has conceived when we talk with Pete Doctor. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, 
They got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Martha Washington said, That sounds wonderful, George, but take those teeth out first. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Thank you, house band Kathleen Strom. Hey, Paula Poundstone. Um, as I'm sure you might have noticed, we're all at home right now. We're watching Netflix relentlessly. People are hungry for content. I, you know, I don't even know how to get Netflix. I just watch Breaking Bad multiple times every night. And frankly, I am beginning to wonder if there's anything new coming out. <laughs> there is new stuff out there. As a matter of fact, Pixar, our favorite studio, is releasing a new movie this Christmas... And we are incredibly lucky to have the writer and director of that said film with us on the phone. Pete Docter has been the force behind some of Pixar's most iconic movies, including Monsters, Inc., Up, Inside Out, and the newest movie, the aforementioned Soul. It will be available on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Please welcome Pete Docter! Yeah! Hello, y'all. Yeah. Whoa! 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 
Thanks for the plug. You're popular here, Pete. <laughs> Pete, well, upwards of tens of thousands of people are now going to know about your little movie. All right. Yeah. I'm ready. It's not much of a plug when the show is called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. But well, you know, we've, we've had a couple of, of uh, sequences in movies that were self-fulfilling prophecies like that, and we've uh, we've decided never again. <laughs> like, we had a sequence called Stuck, and sure enough, that's where it ended. And so, you know, we got to stop doing that. Maybe you can yeah. consider a name change. Yeah. Uh, Everybody listens to no. We like our yeah, nobodies. Exactly. We, we like our okay. nobodies, and the, and there's somebody's to us. All right, Pete. There's so much that I don't know on the topic of of animation, but tell me the process of making a Pixar film. Oh boy, how long have you got? So it takes a long it's a, time. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, I, I guess I'll say this. Okay, so it's all about ideas. Right. So writing, drawing, singing, those are just different ways to express ideas that make you feel, which, of course, is the point of movies. So we start by thinking of ideas and whether we write them or draw them or whatever, some combination of that. We do that uh, for a long time. And uh, I guess, well, one thing I can say is we, we have this whole process where we uh, try to approximate the film without making it yet. So we, uh, you know, the script is an example of that. But then we'll go ahead and we'll draw it um, kind of like a comic book. And we put it together with music and sound effects and our own dialogue, our own bad stilted acting. And then we watch it. We sit in the theater and we watch this movie and we go, what? I'm glad we didn't make that one. Um, and then we go back and we, we rewrite it again and again. And then hopefully by the time you see it, uh, the movie that you see in the theater is actually like version eight, usually. Because uh, we go back and we redo that over and over and over until we feel like, okay, some parts of it are working and then we'll go into production. Wow. It's actually, we, we go to the to the point even of putting, you know, at the beginning when you sit in the movie and there's the castle logo and then there's the lamp that comes on. And right. we, we put that on these too, just to really try to fool ourselves. We'll try to convince <laughs> ourselves that, yeah, this is it. This is the movie. Now, Be when, as serious as we can about it. When you say ourselves, how many people are watching in that in the in the screening room at that point. Well, let's see. I guess generally we try to try to get as many people in there as we can so you get like an honest to goodness audience reaction. Um so it'll be, you know, typically like about uh maybe 200 people. Oh, wow. Wow, that's because yeah. I I know this is a silly comparison. Um, because you guys are a multi-cajillion dollar, uh, very successful, incredible, cutting-edge animation studio. And I am a very small podcast. But my manager, Bonnie Burns, will say to me after we've recorded, she'll say, well, this part didn't get any laughs. And I have to, <laughs> I, I have to point out to her that the only people that could possibly be reacting are her and Tony Anita Hull, <laughs> and that sometimes they're Googling while we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so you need a you need a laugh track, I guess. Huh? Yeah, I think we do. Well, no, because I was just wondering, like, if okay, but if it's two hundred people, then maybe that's a better sounding board. Yeah, or at least like one hundred and fifty. And the thing wow. we do too is we'll 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 bring a bunch of people from any different area that you know sometimes it's the kitchen staff or sometimes it's the uh the people who do the animation or the rendering or whatever and then we also bring in other filmmakers who are working on other films so it'll be you know 
Brad Bird in there or Andrew Stanton or somebody, you know, and then afterwards we get up, uh, we go into this room and we, we uh, politely discuss what didn't work. What could be better? <laughs> right. And do you ever find that you're just pissed at the kitchen staff after? Oh, yeah. And that then when you go to like get food from the kitchen, you just don't even want to look at them? <laughs> no, they're they're usually the kind ones. It's uh, it's Andrew Stanton who can <laughs> who can be rough. He's the one you got to watch for. You got to duck. Yeah, I bet that and... kitchen staff loved ratatouille. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they did. Boy, they're an easy sell for that one, though. And and how how frank are you with one another? And how how uh, because in our goofy little um, podcast, we have discussions about this, like. How, do you, how frank do you want people to be? Yeah, well, how good do you want the movie to be? Well, yeah. You want to be, be frank. It it hurts. But, you know, I'd rather get hurt by seven people than release it out into the into the wide world and have everybody hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd rather hear the bad news up front and, and then have a chance to change things. Right, yeah. Do you still tell yourself, like, I know the little bit of writing that I've done, um, I always, even though the, I know that writing is rewriting, I always have this fantasy when I sit down that, you know, what if I just bang it out right the first time? Um, do you yeah. still tell yourself that that's a possibility or do you always? Every time. Uh, every time. Every time. Every <laughs> time. Yeah, you got to live in that delusion. Otherwise, I don't, if I went in going, well, this is going to be the first of like 700 drafts and it's going to be painful. I don't think I would start again. No. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's like giving birth, I guess. So they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, um, so you were at the 200 people watching the kitchen staff. Yeah. The kitchen staff uh, didn't respond as much as you wanted them to. Now, now what? Yeah. So we go. All right. Well, we talk about what worked and what didn't, and we are like, oh, this part should have gotten big laughs, and it it kind of sat there. Wait a minute. Was it the actual fault of that sequence or was it the drum roll up to it? Maybe there's something wrong with how we're getting into it, you know? So we it's up to us as the filmmakers to kind of diagnose all that stuff. And then we go back and we uh, rewrite and we redraw it and we re-edit it all. So that takes another two to three months. And then we do that whole thing again. So um, wow. like I say, by the time by the time we're actually making the the parts of the movie in the computer. Uh, we have, we have, I don't know, countless drafts uh, on, on a uh, um, computer, in in typewriting form, and then countless drafts uh, of it being drawn and edited and all like that. So, are there are there uh, moments in there where you have to just take a leap of faith, though? I mean, are there moments in the film where where you're just sure that like once this gets fully animated, once people hear the music, once it fills the screen, it's going to be way better than it is as as a as a slideshow. Yes, but if it's kind of dying as a slideshow, it'll only be improved a little bit by by movement, you oh, know. Uh -huh. And so you 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 kind of got to go like some like okay. So for an example, like uh, we had that sequence at the beginning of Up uh, that we called Married Life, where yeah, I'm just gonna bring that up. It's this. like a silent, beautiful so film. So sad. So that was at least as strong in storyboards. Really. As, the, as yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's amazing. You just, you, your brain kind of accepts like whatever level of reality you're going to feed in there. You kind of go, okay, that's going to be rough drawings. All right. Well, that's, there's a person and he loves her and so on. So, you know, it was, it was heart wrenching. Um, and, uh, of course I think it got better as it was produced, but it certainly worked. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. 
All right, so now you've done the 70th or whatever it is, right? You've yeah. redone it, and now um, now you get the reaction that you want from the slideshow with the kitchen staff. Now what? <laughs> well, now, so while we are doing the whole storyboarding thing, we're also, we have an art department, which is anywhere from usually like three to seven people, and they're starting to think about what do these characters actually look like? Sure, we've done these little stick figures on the on the storyboards, but when we actually build them, what are they going to look like? What are the sets going to look like? What are the What's the lighting, the feel of the whole thing? So they're starting to plan it out. And they have, gee, they produce all sorts of amazing rough sketches, almost like architectural blueprints, uh, beautiful paintings, all of which then is had handed on to the, um, the uh, technical staff, uh, which we call the technical directors, TDs for short. And they're, they're coming in, they're dis, you know, building, instead of casting our characters, like you'd go out and say, I want um, you know, George Clooney, uh, we have to build them. Right, so we build this character in the computer, which is a little bit like sculpting a, a doll in in a you know with a knife out of wood or something, um, and uh, and then you rig it, which is you know putting in all the muscles so you can make it say ooh ah and raise its eyebrow and all this, and by the end you have this horribly complex thing uh, that is a beautiful uh, computer puppet essentially. Wow! Um, so this is done in the computer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we're way over it, my head now. So, so I mean, uh, see, I, I kind of figure like most people feel like uh, uh, maybe we dr- raise your hand if you think we draw our our films. Yeah, my, see, my hands it's, up, my hands up. Uh, so we don't we don't draw. It's it's more like a a dollhouse. So you you have to build the room and everything in it, um, and uh, maybe put in a few flashlights. It's it's like that. Only well, okay. You remember like high school geometry? Mm-hmm. So you can describe everything with math, right? Like a sphere is, uh, I don't remember, four pi r squared or something. Uh, so you can, you can describe everything with math. And, and uh, can you then kind of trust me, you could describe something more complex, like a, a bowl or a car, right? You could, mm-hmm. you could make that out of math. So pretty much everything we're doing is like sculpting with math inside the computer. And then wow. it's behaving as though it's real. So lighting... You know, light kind of ricochets off the side and it either reflects wildly or it's fairly matte. You know, you can describe all this stuff with math. Mm-hmm. I never knew math was going to be any use to me at all in high school, but turns out. And how, and and you're able to do that too then, the math thing? You don't, tr- that's oh, not no. the TD thing? <laughs> no. Good heavens. <laughs> that's, no, I, I, I did, like when we started back in 1990 when I started, I did a little bit of that. But now things are way above me. So, um, yeah, we have these amazingly, uh, wonderfully smart people who not only can do all the math stuff, but are also brilliant artists. Now, you have specialists for different different types of the art, don't you? And the only reason I say that is because I was at a wedding in Chicago once, um, and I met somebody who worked at Pixar, and, I'm, and I asked her what she does, and she says, oh, I, I do hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hair is one of the tougher things. So, oh, wow. yeah, that definitely takes some specialty. There are some, they're kind of, there are some generalists who can do a little bit of everything. And then there are some people who definitely have a specialty area specializing in, say, cloth, cloths. So, basic rule of thumb if it's, if it's rigid and uh, flat and geometric, it's relatively straightforward. If it's ripply and organic with a lot of like, you know, like a shirt or something, if you imagine throwing a shirt on the floor, uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. a lot more difficult. Is that Although why you, you know, is that why you guys started with plastic toys? 
Yeah, exactly. Because whether we wanted it to or not, it, everything kind of looked like plastic toys. So we figured, let's <laughs> lean into it. So, um, oh my gosh, the look of Toy Story is one of the most beautiful things I can imagine. So is it? did you used to yell at your kids when they threw their clothes on the floor? Did you say, if someone has to animate that, it's going to be really hard? Pick that up and put it away? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a good... Uh, and you wrote that first Toy Story story, didn't you? Well, me and a, a bunch of other folks. We even had uh, Joss Wheaton, who went on to do um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He he was on the thing for a little while. So we had we had a, it was a good group. How do you write in a group like that? Uh, well, I guess it's kind of similar to what I hear about television, where you kind of get together, you kind of, as they say in TV, break story. That's I learned that this week. So I'm, I don't I'm know that you learned break place. story this week. Yeah, I never. What heard is that break before. story? <laughs> break story is like you sit around and you're like, okay, so first he goes over here and he tells this guy get lost, and then the thing blows up, and so you're kind of beating out the basic events of the thing, right? Oh, I um, see. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then we we kind of figure out what we want to happen, and then you know, in the case of Toy Story, it'd be Joss who would go off and say, all right, and he'd close the door, and he would kind of follow basically what we'd come up with. But, you know, when you're doing anything, you make discoveries along the way. So he might surprise us with some new twists and and uh, hopefully some funny lines. Um, yeah, you know, somebody was just... You remember at the end of the film, somebody was saying uh, when when they light the rocket... I assume you've seen the film, everybody. Oh, sure. oh yeah. Thing. Okay, so they, they light the rocket and then uh, uh, Woody says, Buzz, this is the part where we blow up, not today. And then he goes and he flies, right? <laughs> The original line that Joss wrote was Woody says, Buzz, you're flying. And he says, well, technically it's gliding, but uh, let's not spoil the moment. So we <laughs> thought that was pretty funny. We, ac- we actually animated the whole thing, and we were in animation. And then I, I, I remember, I think John Lasseter, the director, had actually finaled the shot. And I said, oh, you know what he should say? He should say... Uh, um, the thing that he said at the beginning of, of the falling film, with which style. Is, falling, falling with style, falling with style, yeah. And John kind of stops and he looked at me and he's like, "All right, go back, go back. We have to go." So we we changed it right there and then, um, because that's the fluid process that we work under. It's it's right. always and being so adjusted. When you change something like that, it's not just a matter of telling Peter Falk. Uh, you know, to go back and make his entrance again, but this time say this, you have to get those guys with the numbers again, don't you? <laughs> well, in this case, so uh, what we had to do for that particular shot was to go back to Tim Allen and record the line. You know, then we would edit it back in. Most of the movement that we had, if you imagine these, uh, the characters are almost like marionettes with like 10,000 strings, right? So you have all these puppeteers moving the arms and the legs and the fingers. The only thing we really needed to change was the lips. So it wasn't a huge redo. Uh-huh. But, but, but back then, things the did take a lot more time to redo than they do now, didn't they? I mean, you were using steam-powered computers or something. That's right. <laughs> well, you know what the funny thing is? There, the, the process that we call rendering at the end, so you've done the building of the characters, the surfaces, the lighting, the movement, and then you what we call render a frame. So this is like... The computer sits and it chugs and it thinks really hard and it comes up with what that, what that's supposed to look like, right? right? With the right lighting and everything. And each frame takes, let's see, back then it took like seven hours per frame. Of course, there's 24 frames a second, right? So 
Well, it's it a took significant nice. amount of time. Seven hours per frame. You know, Pete, I am not technical at all, but I would suggest that you turn your computer off and then turn it back on again, and it should go faster. <laughs> well, where were you in 1994, Paula? <laughs> we tried that. That's right. <laughs> it was no help whatsoever. Oh, I'm so sorry. But you sorry. know what? The frames that we're doing now take like 24 frames, 24 hours a frame, because oh we just are asking so much more of it. If you look oh. at something from... Toy Story 4 versus Toy Story 1, I, I think you can see the difference. There's a difference. Those damn upgrades, okay. that's how they get you. Have you get you a more powerful emptied? computer and they add features. <laughs> Have you that's emptied true. your cash? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't either, but Wendell always says it to me. You have to empty the cash. And I go, I don't know what that is. And then he sort of shoves me out of the way. Um, okay, wait. That's, uh, that's, I, I, I don't buy a new computer. I, there's so much... Well, I mean, we're sort of using Toy Story to tell the story of how you make these films. Um, yeah. But I don't want it to be solely about Toy Story. But so long as we are on the Toy Story subject, I have to ask you about okay. one of my favorite things ever. And I, I copy it all the time, um, which I have to ask you how this came into being. Okay. When they're in the Pizza Planet truck and um, Buzz sits in a seat with a seatbelt and Woody gets thrashed in the back of the truck. There is a gesture after Buzz puts his seatbelt on, he pats, he pats (laughs) the belt with his hand. (laughs) He he pats it, I think twice, which probably took 14 hours um, (laughs) or or more. Um, Whose idea was that? (laughs) That was the animator. I'm trying to remember who, did that shot. It could have been Ashley Brannon. But, you know, the the basic idea of that, we actually had a whole nother sequence that Joe Ramft, who is our head of story, he was the guy who, uh, brilliant guy, he was also the voice of Heimlich, the caterpillar. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, sure, from yeah. Toys, from from uh, Bug's Life. He drew a whole scene where Woody gets totally beat up in the back of the truck because the guy is driving like a bat out of hell, and there's this giant toolbox right. that keeps smashing into him. And we had a whole sequence where he just got beat up by this toolbox, and it was hilarious, but it went on for a little too long, and, and we cut it, out, cut it out of the movie. Um, anyway, we wanted to contrast that, all the hell that he's going through, with Buzz nice and safe in the front seat, <laughs> and I think that was Joe's idea. And then the animator plussed it by doing the little pat. So it's, yeah, it's an oh amazing gesture. Now I'm gonna really wrestle. Is. I'm gonna wrestle uh, Paula out of Toy Story because we do want to move forward a little bit. Um, <laughs> which is, uh, you have a new movie coming out, and you know, uh, as far as I can tell, when you're actually helming a movie and you're actually directing and writing it now, that's like a five year process at this point, right? Yeah, this one we went fast. It was four years. Wow. So. so oh. uh, now, one thing I've noticed about the Pete Doctor movies, I mean, the Pixar movies in general, but your movies in particular, is that they go pretty deep. You're, you know, as we were, ta- we were talking about um, Up, and it starts with that devastating love story that ends, you know, so sadly. And then, you know, the next movie you did was Inside Out, I think, which was, you know, viewing the dissolution of a personality of a, of a struggling teen. <laughs> um, what's going on with the new one? Yeah, this one's all comedy jokes. It's just about existentialism. <laughs> it is called soul. Yes. You have to define existentialism for me, if you will. <laughs> all right. Well, basically where the, the idea came from, um, my, my son just got married. So he uh, is 23 now. But I realized looking back, when he was born, he already had elements of 
his personality. It was pretty clear. And I was thinking, how did that happen? Where did that come from? So we thought, well, there must have been something that happened before you're born, somewhere where you get all this stuff, like your interests. I don't know if this happened to, to any of your family members or you, like out of nowhere, uh, it's not in your family. Somebody is interested in the piano or uh, basketball or something, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so we're trying to figure out like, how is that possible? So we created this whole backstory about what happens before you're born. And oh, that's really wow. what the film looks into is, is uh, how much of this uh, stuff in life is, is pre-encoded in there versus what do we, and, and what do we get to decide? Like what's, what's the point of all this is kind of, you know, that's uh, it's good for, for kids. Well, is it is it then the nature versus nurture argument? Well, essentially, we have one character who uh, is played by Jamie Foxx, and he unfortunately uh, is almost going to die, and he's desperate to get back to his body. So his soul is in this space through a series of circumstances I won't get into. Uh -huh. And he's stuck with Tina Fey, who's a soul uh -huh. who has been here forever and does not want to go to Earth. She's seen it all. She's like, it looks like a bunch of suffering and disappointment down there. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. So a soul who doesn't want to die is stuck with a soul who doesn't want to live. And it's really the argument between them, you know, basically essentialism versus nihilism. Uh, and and that's the film. That's And the thing is, is that you, you made that sort of self-deprecating joke that, you know, so it's for kids, but kids are going to love it. They, 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 they have loved, they attach to the, the emotional stuff in the Pixar movies just uh, amazingly, no matter how kids love nihilism. They do. Yeah. My kids were <laughs> drawn, think, drawn to nihilism. Uh, in fact, my son was on uh, the nihilism team and I couldn't understand where it came from because right. I have never been drawn to not, I didn't teach him that, but yeah, he was, uh, he played on a, a nihilism huh. team and, uh, yeah. yeah. And the equipment no. that you have to buy as a parent and all the practices you drive them to. <laughs> yeah. And nobody Even wears the, the equipment because what's the point of it? Right. Exactly. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they all buy it. They have a lot of mouth guards that they don't use. Um, well, that, yeah, but we do, we we do try to put in stuff for the, you know, jokes for the kids, a lot of slapstick and, uh, um, you know, verbal humor. And uh, uh, I like to think the way we, we use the, the, the medium is uh, attractive to people of kind of all ages, you know. The, and so hopefully there's something there that, that I, I, everybody will uh, be moved by and uh, enjoy, I hope. How did the kitchen staff respond? <laughs> You know, this film, it got a pretty good response from the kitchen staff. Yeah. 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 Well, kitchen staff, uh, having worked a lot of restaurants myself, I can tell you, uh, <laughs> we run deep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, if I were to write my own epitaph, which I would never have to begin with, but if I did, I, you know, table busser would, would be on there. Yeah. Um, Plus, those non-corporeal uh, beings are so easy to feed. <laughs> yeah, because they can't taste, they can't smell, they can't yeah. see. You know, the, all those physical things are out the window. Oh, yeah. Now, um, so how long ago did you start working on this movie, Soul? Uh, this was right after Inside Out, so that would have been like 16 or 17. I guess it was because Inside Out came out in 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would have been mid-16, I guess. Um, all right, so here you're working on this Soul film um, yeah. when all of a sudden... This god awful pandemic hits us, and you knew then that it it wouldn't come out in a movie theater. Well, we didn't actually. So our original release date was June nineteenth, 
And uh, we got, I think we had seven weeks left of production when we all got sent home. And we finished the film from home. So we did uh, all of the rest of the animation, uh, lighting, some uh, special effects, all from, you know, 250 different houses across the Bay Area. Wow. And then we were ready. We were ready to come out. Because at that time, you know, who thought we would be here more than maybe three weeks? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought in the beginning, too. And, um, okay, so you know how some businesses are finding that everything works just fine with people working from home? Some people think it's it's an improvement in their work experience. And I know the traffic up around where you guys uh, live is just awful. Yeah, it is. Do you think that... Pixar might end up post-pandemic leaving their people working from home? No, I can't imagine it. I think the only reason we're surviving now is because we have, you know, 20 years of experience working with each other. Right. And we really draw on all that every day. But, you know, it's how could I think there is like there's something about physical proximity that is essential to just get on the same wavelength. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah, and, and Although, your whole space. I mean, I got to tour your space years ago, and wait, wait, don't tell me uh, visited Pixar. Um, yeah, and, and it's such a communal feeling place, isn't it? I mean, it, it looks like it's all geared towards people all kind of converging towards the center. Yeah, well, and my theory is: look, I, I, we're making these movies not for uh, for us, but to connect with people around the world, people that we'll never even meet, you know. And how are we going to do that unless we? ourselves first connect in some deep, meaningful way to make this statement. And, and I don't know how you can do that separated on, on these little boxes. I mean, yeah. it seems to be working for now, but I, I don't think it's really... It's, and it's, it's impossible to know, like, what sort of effect is that having on things? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but it's not the it's not the model you would choose. Well, I was going to no. say sort of the same thing that Adam said. You know, the campus, as they call it, of the Pixar studio is so amazing. Like, if I got to work in a place like that where every day I got to walk past a giant Buzz Lightyear, I would not (laughs) trade that for anything in the world. Every time I have uh, been lucky enough to get to walk past that Buzz Lightyear, I swear I tear up. Um, It's it's very meaningful. Do you... um, I know one never views their own work in the same way that other people do, but does it feel special to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some days I don't even see it because I'm in my own world. But I went back last week because I had to uh, do some work there. Everybody's at home working, but once in a while we get to go in for, you know, something that we can't do at home. And it was kind of weirdly emotional going back to this. Of course, the place is swarming with Canada geese now. Oh, is it? It's like... (laughs) They chased after me and hissed at me. Oh boy, they they can they, be they, nasty. They've taken over. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And a lot a, of waste products. Flock almost right? took my sister once when she was two. <laughs> you know, the great Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki said, "Do everything by hand, even when using the computer." Stay tuned as we find out more about the magic held in the hands of a cartoonist. The cat of the week is Alfred from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, 
But when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed. They're so, it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with uh, Pixar's Pete Doctor. Now, Pete, I want to ask you something because I think Paula is too humble, believe it or not, to ask you, which is, what's it like to work with Paula Poundstone on Inside Out? That was awesome. Yeah, no, Paula, Paula got to, you got to work against Bobby Moynihan, right? That's right. As, as the two forgetters. We were the forgetters. I was the female That's forgetter. Right. That's right. <laughs> Forget it. Yeah, so we had, that was great. I mean, that whole process on that film, we, we got such great, uh, great comedians, you know, between uh, Amy Poehler, Richard Kind, Louis Black. You know, yeah. we just had cream of the crop, Mindy Kaling. So it was it was fun. And we tried to, I don't know if you remember this, Paula, but we tried to set things up with parameters so you guys could play around and improvise. 
Do you remember that? I do remember that. I think I sucked yeah. at that part, uh, but I do remember that. You know, as I'd it, imagine there'd be some editing involved. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but thank you for trying. Um, Paula's character looked a little like Paula, and that's true of a lot of the characters in Inside Out and not true of the, a lot of the characters in most of the Pixar movies, is it? Yeah, I always feel like, what is it when people say, oh, the characters look so much like uh, the, the voice actors, I think, why, Billy Crystal must be really mad <laughs> when he hears that. Yeah, no, I, he I, I think He kind of does, though. There's a, <laughs> there's a weird thing where he kind of does. But, you know, in the steps that you were telling people, um, now that we're talking about um, Inside Out, I feel, I feel like you're missing a step because... Uh, <laughs> When I was with you there, you showed me um, this little kind of clay figure of the character. Yeah. Yeah, so we we designed the characters first by drawing them, and then um, in most cases, we sculpt them, either in the... Some, a lot often in clay, but then eventually in the computer. And it's about then that we usually cast them. And I don't know that that's really on purpose, but we've tended to design and kind of create the characters and then find somebody who sounds like... In fact, the way I like to work is I'll, I'll ask uh, our casting people, bring in a bunch of audio, don't tell me who it is. Just play the sound of their voice. And then I look at those uh, drawings or sculptures and go, yeah, that... That who is that guy? Oh, that's Ed Asner. Oh yeah, he's perfect. You know. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's great. I, I um I had a a suggestion. Um, so the so the character that I played was uh, one of the forgetters who worked in um the little girl character's brain, and yeah. uh, did the forgetting in her mind. We like to say. Oh, sorry, in her mind. Um, yeah, and, the brain's um, like dendrites and blood vessels. And we didn't want yeah. to get into that. No, so. we weren't in the brain. We were in the mind. It's over to the That's left. That's right. The mind um, world. <laughs> uh, but so uh, it was really one of the thrills of my life. And so I, I wrote to Pete later and recommended um, that they do an Inside Out 2 and that the storyline um, be <laughs> that the main character gets um, amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Those, so, those Pete, two when's are that coming out? To town down yeah, in this way, <laughs> my right. work as the female forgetter would be, uh, you know, the, the, the key to the whole film. Yeah. She would just take yeah. those <laughs> shelves and upend them. Everything. Forget everything. So, Pete, can we expect that Christmas 2022 or something? Yeah, that's Yeah, coming. we're cranking on it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for being so suggestible. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, how did this all start for you? Like, what. How did you get an interest in drawing, I assume, is where it started? You know, I, I liked drawing, but I was frustrated by it because uh, things never looked the way I thought they should, you know. Um, oh. And then just like the character in, uh, in Inside Out, I turned, I went into sixth grade and suddenly everything got all serious and people were talking about stuff that I didn't know about, and I became very shy and quiet, and I barely had any friends. And I think that's what got me, got me into this job, is the only way that I felt comfortable talking to people was by, you know, doing stuff, drawing them or, or making cartoons and things. So it was out of social awkwardness. Um, and as a student, were you a good student? I, I, I was... Yes. Um, although my general approach was like, I'm going to do the minimum possible so I can get back to the cartoons. So I, I was in 100%, but I wasn't going to go beyond, like, I'm not going to sit and do a bunch of homework. 
uh, beyond what they asked me, you know. Uh -huh. so. Right. So you never got extra credit. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. You never exactly. got like a see me on your report. Remember when the teacher no, would was, write that? But you, on the other hand, never got extra credit. I was like a solid B student. That's good. That's a good, yeah, that's a good range, like a safe range to be in. Nobody's going to drag no. you away to a gifted center, but you, you know, you're doing well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Focus on the important things like cartoons. Exactly. Yeah. And what cartoons yeah. did you admire? What, I mean, cause you must've seen something that made you say, Hey, I could do that. You know, uh, well, Bugs Bunny was huge. I loved and still is, man. Yeah. Those are hilarious. Uh, they're really just so well done. Very funny. Um, there's a lot of them. I mean, Disney, I loved the Disney stuff. Um, later on, I you quoted Hayao Miyazaki a minute ago. I love his stuff. Wait a minute. Um, is that the guy who did Totoro? Yeah. Oy. I yeah. hated Totoro. I mean, I'm uh -oh. happy for you, but okay. I, it just, it was, <laughs> just it was, didn't speak to you, huh? It was too much of characters inhaling. There was a lot of, oh, Totoro. <laughs> I just. I, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, Totoro. Yeah. I, yeah, just did nothing for me. I hate inhaling. She hates inhaling. I do. It causes me to Exhalings, cough. Exhalings, where's that? <clears throat> I think so. Oh, yeah. Totoro. But to each his own, of course. So and yeah. and I know that he, I know he's popular. I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. Okay. So Bugs Bunny, uh, the Totoro guy. Uh, what yeah. else? Well, the Muppets. I love the Muppets. still oh, love the Muppets. I love oh, the Muppets. And in fact, going back to Inside Out, I, we were lucky to get uh, both Frank Oz and Dave Goltz as uh, the two guards of the subconscious. And uh, boy, talk about, we had written a bunch of stuff for them, but they just, they Frank could say, all right, Dave, feed me a, feed me a line at the beginning just to get going, and then we'll blend into it. We, we ended up just using their improv stuff. We completely chucked all the stuff that we wrote. So oh, everything you see in there is them just, just goofing around. Huh. I mean, I think it might have been better to tell that story uh, um, before we brought up the fact that I was allowed to improvise and couldn't do it. <laughs> But I appreciate yeah. what you're saying. I still, I I still think that that's was, good. Would have made I that think. that part of the interview much sadder. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of a sad part. But yeah. only only looking back. Only yeah. looking back, you, it's sad now. Yeah. Do you remember saying no, but, to me like, Paula, say whatever you want, just jump in and uh, yeah, yeah. No, and, you, and say, you did, and yeah. and I I don't remember specifically, but there are definitely lines in there that you just made up. Oh, that were, were there? Not just written. No, yeah. I took them from the Sesame Street guys. I'll be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. Frank and Dave. So, did you do any voices in any of the ones? Yeah. Let's see. I ended up, I was the voice of, okay, so in Inside Out, there's Riley's mind, and then you zip into mom and dad's minds at varying times, right? Mm -hmm. And so you go to dad's mind, and there's kind of a militant anger with a mustache, and I did his voice. I remember oh. him. Yeah. Didn't so recognize I don't you actually remember any of the lines. Yeah. No, I had no idea. Um, yeah. So did you do more voices, Pete, in other ones? Uh, let's see. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff, but usually it gets cut out and replaced by real actors. Um, oh, I so, see. So, like, I was the first voice of um, of Buzz before we cast Tim Allen. Um, let's see. You got else. replaced oh, by you know, that hack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I okay. In in Monsters Inc. at the very beginning, you hear off screen mom and dad, and they say good night, kiddo, and that's me. Okay. Oh. So there you go. And then in The Incredibles, I'm one of the guards that gets beat up. I go, oh! So. <laughs> is, that, is that right outside the headquarters when, uh, when, when, when Mr. Incredible is sneaking in? Yeah. 
Yeah, on the island. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't Mrs. Incredible who me. did it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> From the time that Adam punched you, you know, those yeah. of us who have punched you remember that sound that you make, and uh, right. that's why we keep doing it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's irresistible. It's just so entertaining. Who came up with the name Kevin for the bird? <laughs> you know what? I bet we were calling him Steve at first. Oh, that's a And riot. then we heard, I think, because we thought it was funny to name a bird Steve. But then there yeah. was some other movie, which I can't remember right now, that there was a character named Steve at the same time. So we had to change it. And Kevin was our editor. And uh, he's, he's, it just struck us very funny. It's uh, a really I, I, funny name. <laughs> um, uh, all right, now, so you have this system with, uh, y- you know, the uh, breaking story, but what about for you with writing? What is your own personal process, and do you ever get writer's block? Oh, uh, yeah, writer's uh, You know what? I never get writer's block. It's, I never. Can I just say this quickly? Say. Fuck you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to listen to the end of my sentence. I never have nothing to say. I just don't have anything good. <laughs> okay. There's a, All right. di- there's a big difference. All right. Then fuck only part of you. I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have trouble sitting down and writing something. It just might not be what you want. Yeah. And, and most of the time, like I'd say, I don't know, nine out of 10, if not more times, you look at it and go like, well, that sucks. Well, all right. Well, let me, I'll pitch it anyway to see if anybody can, can improve on things. Um, and then the one time that it, I think it's great, I pitch it and it dies, you know, so oh, success yeah. rate, you just have to, you have to be ready. If you're going to be a writer, you have to be ready for a lot of failure and, uh, and, and either stamina or, you know, ignorance to get back up and do it again. That's good advice. That is good advice. I, Cause I don't think most of us think of it that way especially well i don't i can't speak for the others i do though but for, especially me I, I i i just i just figure everybody else somehow you're just you know you there's no struggle there you just pull it off no you know i i remember uh when i was going into school i always pictured it would work like this like you know i picture walt disney in bed and he's like about to fall asleep and he just goes <laughs> dumbo and there it is it's all in his head it all comes out <laughs> Oh, it's never and that. It's, it's not that at all. It's a you know, it's just a painful process of thousands of little tiny decisions that hopefully come together into some illusion of one thing. Was there a, a film that ended up taking longer because that part, you know, where it magically comes together, just sort of magically wasn't happening? Well, you know what seems to happen for us, and I don't know if this is true of everybody, but you come up with, you have a lot of bad ideas, but then you hit one, and you're like, oh, this is, this is going to be great. It's got so much potential. And you pitch it to somebody, and they go, that's going to be great. It's got so much potential. And then you get about, uh, you know, quarter of the way in, and it starts to get really hard. And you're like, wait, whose idea was this? This is really hard. I, <laughs> I don't know if we should keep going on this. You know, and then you have this real schlog before you finally start seeing things clicking into place uh, towards the like the last third or so. So there's a there's a big trough in the middle of that's just like I don't know uh, how I got into this, but uh, the only way is to go forward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when you first started drawing, um, did you ever have uh, any kind of formal training in that? Not initially. Um, and then I took an art class in high school and I hated it because it was largely like uh, we made belt buckles. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, that didn't seem like where I wanted to go with this. So um, Then can we look forward, Pete, to uh, um, Belt Buckle the movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not coming anytime soon. Oh, well, you say that you say that now, but ten years down the road, <laughs> uh, let me let me go to to a larger picture thing because you know, Young Peak okay. Doctor shows up at Pixar. A new a new concept in animation is happening. The computer animated feature is bright eyed and fresh faced. Now here we are, uh, twenty odd years later, and well, Pixar has created an industry. Cell animated movies have all but disappeared, and. There's so many computer animated movies out there, and some of them actually are uh, pretty good. Um, yeah. But still, there's something different about a Pixar movie, isn't there? And I wonder if you could try to define that. What do you think it is that makes Pixar different? Well, gee, I don't know. I mean, somebody else should probably answer that. But I, I guess from my perspective... Is there anybody else there? Uh, hey, hon. <laughs> oh, she, she left. Sorry. <laughs> That's got to be you then. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I guess from my perspective, the thing that I personally try to do, and I don't know the insides of you know Brad Bird's brain or anything, but where I'm coming from is like, what do I want to see as an animator? What tickles that part of me that makes me go, yeah, I want to animate that. That's what got me Monsters or, or Inside Out. And then it's just a lot of hard work. But the other thing is um, trying to find something that is intriguing to me. So, you know, I'm not tailoring this to five-year-olds. I'm wanting something that I can chew on for five years. And I'm going to be mm -hmm. working on this thing. It better be interesting. It better uh, compelling and, and uh, drive me to continue to want to think about it. So, you know, why do we need sadness in our lives? Or in this case, like, what's the, what's the real purpose of living? What are we doing? That's, that's what soul... Uh, <laughs> that's a kind of a preposterous thing to admit out loud that it's about <laughs> the meaning of life. It's not. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite, uh, I say this because I, I'm such a Disney fan, What what's your favorite Disney animated film? Oh, it's hard to beat Dumbo. I there do you love go. That's Dumbo. what I thought, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just so it poignant and heartfelt and funny and, uh, yeah, it's great. We're, it's we're, great. Yeah. we're going to the big boss. We're going to the big boss. We're going to get more That's money because right, we know raise. that we are funny. That, uh, <laughs> that's that's right. when the clowns were drinking and they were going to go talk to the ringmaster. They were unionizing. So we're going to get right. more money because we know that we are funny. Uh, that's it's, right. It's a brilliant line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other one that's really good, Cinderella is quite good. I mean, it's got these wonderful uh, moments where it's just like, okay, where did the mouse hide? Under which cup? You know, there's just funny, goofy stuff. And then, and then there's emotional pathos. And then the last, like... 10 minutes just takes off like a shot. It's amazing. It's really cool. I don't think Cinderella is good for little girls, though, because a lot of well, girls um, kind of drag their feet for most of their life thinking that birds are going to do their work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, birds are, are never going to do that for you. Yeah, never. I just think it's the wrong message. There are a lot of controversial uh, things about those older <laughs> films, but I had not put that one on the list. Yeah, well, I'd say add, add it on if you can. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> how has computer animation changed, Pete? Uh, well, it's changed a lot since I've gotten into it. Um, you know, just uh, we used to worry a lot about technical stuff. Like, I don't, okay, here's another Toy Story thing. Um, Woody gets his forehead burned by Sid, who's the mean kid with a magnifying glass, right? Sure, we had the coloring and then he book. he leaves. Yeah, and Woody runs over, and originally he dipped his face in a bowl of dog water. You know, his dog's 
So you'd see a splash and, and it would cool it down. That was hugely, horribly expensive to do. So we changed it to a bowl of Fruit Loops and we put the camera really low so you wouldn't see any of the liquid. So you just see these Fruit Loops fly out. <laughs> so there were a lot of decisions like that that we had to do early on because it was really hard. And now I think, boy, I mean, not that it's cheap. Uh, it's still harder than, you know, a flat, rigid object. But um, they've done some amazing stuff with smoke and, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of amazing stuff. Ocean. So Wait, back up. Explain oceans. to me why it was cheaper for Woody to stick his face in Fruit Loops than it was dog water? <laughs> well, because if you do dog water, then when he sticks his head and you, you, you need to see like water splashing out, right? And water is not just individual little rigid things. It moves and it shifts. Like if you watch a movie of water splashing, it's really organic and complicated. Whereas if we put the camera low and then he ducked his head in and you see these little donuts fly out, they're, they're, each of them are little rigid things and it's a lot oh. easier to deal with. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, that, that's why from now on when my dogs are thirsty, I'm giving them fruit loops. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> Sorry, dogs. It's cheaper. <laughs> Lazy dogs. Right. Well, Pete, thank you so much for walking us through the Pixar process. But I got to tell you, here at the podcast, we have a process of our own. And that involves taking the information that you've just given us and running it through the old Pounstonator. Paula? Okay, Kathleen, if I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what the Pounstonator spit out. Pete Doctor is a really brilliant man, and Pixar is an American treasure. Every time they put out a new film, I'm amazed by it. And the levels that it plays on. Their, their films have humor, pathos, beauty, and even lessons to learn. Someone thought to have Tom Hanks play a little cowboy doll. Someone thought to have Don Rickles play Mr. Potato Head. Someone thought to have Buzz Lightyear pat his seatbelt with a sense of security and accomplishment. Pete has animated monsters that we've only imagined through our fears. He's done toys who love us back. He's animated emotions. Who thinks of that? In Inside Out 2, subtitled Riley Gets Amnesia, they'll probably have the lesser emotions. Boredom, irked, slighted, and unmotivated will be played by your dad. I'll get to it, honey, right after I watch the game. <laughs> Soul sounds great. By the time we're enjoying it, though, Pete Doctor will already be hard at work on the movie Form. He'll animate gas, liquid, and solid, which will be voiced by Clarence Williams III. After that, it's Snowflakes, starring Cindy Lauper. Why are we all so different? <laughs> the kitchen staff is in for a great winter. <laughs> he is the writer and director of Pixar's newest movie, Soul. It will be available on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Pete Doctor, I, I can't thank you enough for coming by. Oh, thank you. It was fun talking to you guys. <laughs> oh, Pete, you're wonderful. Thank you, you awesome. so, so much. Thanks, Pete. Coming up, Iceland. Won't you listen to our show? Join Tony Anita Hull and Bonnie Burns for an audio tour of the <laughs> land of ice and fire. That is most likely coming up after this.
Fun fact, the human brain is actually 60% fat, making it by far the fattiest organ in the human body and thus the most frequently subjected to organ shaming. <laughs> Okay, Paula, here's the thing. Um, initially, we were going to go to a, the report on Iceland, co-authored by um, Tony Nita Hall and uh, Bonnie Burns. But, yeah, uh, Bonnie brought pe- in a uh, papier-mâché volcano, so I'm excited yeah. to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I share your trepidation um, that Bonnie is not ready for this, but at the same no. time... Bonnie got bailed out a school time miracle by Pete Doctor because that interview was so wonderful and so long that we are going to postpone Tony and Bonnie's Iceland report till next week. Oh. <laughs> so we so we ran over? We ran over? We ran over with Pete Doctor. We ran over Pete Doctor? That's, no, no, Paula, we didn't run over awful. Pete Doctor. We were You know no, he's no, 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 very no. He's, thin, Adam. You would barely he, feel it. Oh, yeah, I know. He's an ectomorph, but uh, he's fine. Uh, we just ran... The interview was long, is my point. Oh, well, that's different than we ran over Pete Doctor. We, yeah. <laughs> There's... It's, it's, it's extremely different. But, Bonnie Burns, you have time to actually do your work this week, then, and rather than having Tony do it. No, I was prepared. You, you were prepared? All right. No, that's... it was going to be... It's a group project, and I, I was prepared... With some things. Mm-hmm. How did you guys divide it up? Are you going to talk about <laughs> ice and Tony's going to talk about land? <laughs> I, I can tell I, you, I did all of the research and sent it to Bonnie and she said, I'll just interject. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is, That's true. This is but I have some interesting facts. I do have some yeah. interesting facts. I have some information and it might be some stuff that she did not cover. Oh, boy. Um, Well, you guys, uh, thank you. And we look forward to next week learning about our our Icelandic listeners, uh, of whom I'm sure there's thousands, because there's something about the way that Adam and I work in particular that would appeal to to, uh, the uh, Icelandic people. The Icelandic aesthetic, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Adam, Adam, Adam. What? What? Answer the phone. What? Answer the phone. Uh, oh my God! We almost made it through a podcast without that. We ran long with Pete Doctor. All right. Uh, answer um, the phone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Adam. Hello. Hello. I said hello already. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Who's calling? I called already. Now I'm just waiting for you to talk. Um, is this Nan Mumford? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, how can I help you, Nan? Is that what you do? Are you are you customer service? Did did I buy something? I hope it's no, flannel no. or wool. It's time to put uh, the shorts in the trunk and the blueberries in the freezer. Okay, great. I guess I meant, uh, Nan. Why did you call? Oh. I mean, so, you know, why did you call? That's my question really here. <laughs> I, I wanted to know if I'm the 100th caller. 
<laughs> no, no, you're not. Uh, uh, this It's almost frightening now. This is drawing towards a close. You are the 97th caller, Nan. Well, that's good, because I don't have time to hang out with you after the game. I got to get the blueberries in the freezer. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Bye, Nan. Hey, uh... Pro tip uh, for any of you listeners out there, if you don't want to be the 100th caller, don't call to ask what number caller you are because you're in danger of winning the competition at this point. Like, dire danger. All right, uh, Paula, uh, what's going on with your Poundstone product empire this week? Well, Adam, I've been making this goofy little Zoom game show called Nobody Asked You starring Paula Poundstone. Where contestants- Very entertaining show. Thank you. Where contestants score points for how much they know about each other and compete to win any item they want from my store at paulapoundstone.com. Many, Adam, have walked away covered in glory and an incredibly soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. If listeners would like to join in the fun, be an on-camera audience member, or grab a friend and be contestants, go to nobodyaskedyougame at gmail.com. Is that right? Nobodyaskedyougame at gmail.com. That is right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the confirmation, Tony Anita Ho. And uh, hey, sports fans. If you enjoyed uh, Jeff Cesario and me in the Starburn Sports Simulcast for the World Series, I want you to keep checking my Twitter feed, at Adam Felber, or StarburnSports.com, because uh, Cesario and I have decided to call a couple of football games. Bonnie Burns will like that. Well, not since the Seahawks, you know, they really lost stupidly the other week. I, I might have to stop watching football. Wow, thank no. you for helping me with that plug, Bonnie Burns. I <laughs> <laughs> was... Oh, fucking helpful. You could, just could have said, I'll be there or something like that. But now, you, okay, now we're I'll talking about there. this. I'll be no, there. No, it's too late. You ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she was about to say, does anybody really like game shows? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. If you... No, I think it's a good idea, Adam. I really do think it's a good idea that somebody does funny calls for football. That's that, that's fantastic, Bonnie. Thanks. Now, if you want to enter our theme song contest, send your song to us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. That's the address for everything. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, or you can comment on Facebook to make sure you get through to Bonnie Burns. That's our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks. Thanks to our guest, Pete Doctor, who we did not run over. And thanks to our house band, Kathleen Strom. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hall. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. And uh, our former intern is Doug. Man, we haven't forgotten you, but we almost have at this point. Transcription services <laughs> for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Boy, I just narrowly dodged... Pete Doctor. Uh, Why? Yeah, I, well, he was trying to cast you as a star, right? A no, no. I mean, I almost ran over him. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been tragic. 
no, and we never think... asked him about Randy Newman. Oh. You've got well, a friend in me. What were we going to ask him about Randy Newman? I would have said, hey, Pete Doctor, Randy Newman. He's cool, right? Oh, yeah, that's a jumping off place. Um, <laughs> Pete, Pete, Pete Doctor, just spitballing here, but Randy Newman. Um, Randy Newman's oh, great, and I've I've got a friend in him. I do too. Yeah, you got a friend. Oh my gosh, I love everything Pixar, Adam. You know what? Me I might too. I I guess they're shut down now because of the pandemic. But I might just I might just fly up there and break in and take my picture with Buzz Lightyear. I might do it. I'll camp out there because I haven't even been a voice yet. You've got a sequel in the works. Yeah. Oh yeah, got a sequel. Uh. Uh, Riley gets amnesia. <laughs> Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.